Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Getting sober these days is kind of big news. It wasn't so long ago that the AA and describing yourself as an alcoholic or an addict carried a lot of stigma with it. In this country, at least it did anyway. It was all very secretive and shameful, and no doubt the stigma kept a lot of people from the help they actually needed. Well, these days, if you switch on your social media, you will see a lot of people who are very relatable talking about their recovery journey. And this sober movement, along with the increase in non-alcoholic drinks, is really changing a generation. And we can see that, by the way, in the culture change. And say, for example, when I was younger and I used to work in the nightclubs, there was 37 nightclubs in Dublin. There's now two, I think. So you can see the culture change amongst young people in particular. Now, a lot of that is they're drinking in the home as well, by the way. And sadly, a lot of them are taking cocaine too, which is not a good thing either. But, but in saying that, there's definitely a shift away from alcohol to some degree. Our next guest has over 100,000 followers on Instagram. And this is uh, down in many ways to the sharing of her story of addiction and recovery. It isn't always pretty. It isn't always easy. But it's always very real. And she joins me, Abby Feltham. Uh, good after or good evening to you. How are you? Hi, I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm good, Abby. I mean, Abby, in Ireland in particular, we have a specific problem with alcohol and relationship yeah. with alcohol. Um, we, you know, we celebrate everything with alcohol. You know, births, birthdays, weddings, funerals. Everything has to have alcohol involved in it. And um, we have a problem, and and yeah. we've been known throughout Europe as being the biggest drinkers in Europe. But I can see that starting to change now. So let's let's get on to your story. How old were you when you started drinking? I was about 14 when I started drinking. Mm-hmm. My drinking was very, um, it was quite, quite typical of like a teenager, really. Well, yeah. in England anyway. Um, it was all very like, it was drinking down the park with friends on like a Friday night, drinking like, Big bottles of cider, um, yeah, it was it was quite normal at the time, yeah. I think. Okay, so when when did you start to get serious? If you know what I mean, when did you start feeling that you were kind of becoming reliant on it? Well, ever since I first started drinking, I knew I loved it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I noticed quite early on that when. I started drinking. I found it really difficult to stop. Like I didn't want the feeling to go away, and I wanted to carry on the feeling of the, f- the first drink. You know, in the first like half an hour when you have a drink and you feel really good. Um, for me, it kind of made me feel normal. It made me feel like all my anxiety went away. It made me feel like confident and good about myself, and kind of uh, yeah. it made me forget all the really, really horrible things I thought about myself and then I would just chase that feeling. Um, the thing um, is, why, you... why do you think you had the kind of lack of confidence or why, why had, was that you I felt? Had, why did you feel so bad about yourself? I had quite a rocky childhood. My, my mother's an alcoholic and she, I was raised in an alcoholic home um, and having a parent who has a drinking problem, um, you know, you get your, your needs are neglected. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up like not like uh, being told not very nice things about myself. Um, okay, so your self-esteem was on the floor. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so so drink became your best friend and a way out of all that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was it was also okay. Drink made me forget how much I hated myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also what I knew is how I knew that you dealt with your emotions. You know, if you're if you're stressed, then you drink. If you're if, you, if you're upset, you drink. Um, yeah. And where where, but, where were you drinking? Were you were you going to clubs and bars drinking, or were you drinking at home, or were you drinking down alleyways? I mean, where where was most of your drinking taking place? Was it social drinking? In other words, were you the kind of life and soul of every party? Were you the one at the corner who got hammered at every you know in every session? Yeah, pretty much. When when I was younger, it was like drinking um, out with friends, and then just quite quite quickly when I moved out of home when I was eighteen, and then mm. that. Uh, when I started drinking at home, I kind of discovered that I I could well, when I, when I was an adult and I lived by myself, or I lived out of the family home, I, I discovered that I could I had my own money and I could I had the choice to drink whenever I wanted to, and there was nothing that anyone could do to stop me. Um, and so I was drinking at home all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, like like you said, it was life and soul of the party. Um, and where were you well, getting the money the from? Were you, were you holding down a job? Were you like a functioning alcoholic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, throughout my drinking career, I worked in bars career. and restaurants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's and, and, you, yeah. and you kind of traveled the world doing that as well because you did live abroad for a while. So you're doing a fair bit of traveling while you were doing that. I did. I did. I I packed up my backpack and it was supposed to be a six-month uh backpacking trip but it ended up being 10 years um and i lived all over the world doing restaurant and bar work um yeah i kind of discovered that if i bounced from country to country then i didn't have to put any down any roots there was nobody to tell me to stop drinking i lived this like transient lifestyle where i made friends along the way and um basically had no responsibilities apart from you know just holding on to a bar job which you know is like relatively easy when you're drunk because you're just yeah. drinking. Because <laughs> you can drink at the profits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> else. Because it is an expensive habit, isn't it? Of course, alcohol. I mean, if you want to, if you want to keep it up, like it's an expensive career, as you call it, a career. It is expensive. So you know, to provide money for the alcohol habit, you also, you know, it mentions here as well that you were also involved in sex work as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went down that route as well. Um, it was like a, a really easy way to earn money. Um, and then again, it was a job that I could do that allowed me to drink whilst I was doing it. I, I'm wondering for somebody who had never done that before. I mean, I don't know what age you were when you started the sex work. When when you did it the first time, I've often wondered this when we talk about escorts or prostitutes, I suppose some people use the word prostitute or escort or sex work, whatever it is. When you do that the first time, What's that like? Do you, what's that feeling like that you're doing it not for pleasure, not because you love somebody, but you're doing it for money? What's What was that feeling like the first time you do it? I mean, I was on a self-destructive path at the time. Um, and I just wanted to engage in any behavior that would, like, contribute to me just destroying myself. Okay. So really, it was, it was, I was very numb at the time. I was also doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I like. Yeah. So you yeah, so you I really think... weren't aware of what was probably going on, really too much emotionally. Anyway, you weren't really very aware. 
Not really, not really. Like I was really, yeah. I had pretty much like checked out. I was very depressed as well. Um, what was the yeah, lowest? What was the lowest point? Sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but what was the uh-huh. kind of the lowest point? Because for a lot of people, of course, sex work would be a low point um, going into that or having to do that. But what was what was your lowest point in that kind of period? Do you remember? A, was there a point when you thought to yourself, "What the hell am I doing?" Like, I had I had several low points. Um, none of them were a wake up call, though. Not, none of them made me stop and go, "Oh, what am I doing?" Um, off the top of my head, like my lowest points were: I was living in the states with my boyfriend, very in love, but I was also um, an out of control alcoholic. Um, and uh, like I basically destroyed our relationship. Um, and he chucked me out of the house, and he booked me a one-way ticket to Canada, and he drove me to the airport in the middle of the night and popped me on a plane. And then all of a sudden, I was in Canada, and I only knew one person. Um, and mm. like that was that was very very heartbreaking. Like being in a new country, knowing that I destroyed my relationship, um, and then to kind of. Um, that you solve my heartbreak, um, like rather than like I don't know, get a haircut or a new wardrobe or something. I decided I'd solve my problems by developing a crack habit. So oh, I ended wow. up like so you went like, from bad to worse. Yeah, exactly. I ended up ended up in like a dark bedsit, like smoking crack with strangers. And then um, after that, my like my mental health just plummeted, and I ended up living in a trailer in Vancouver Island and I tried to take my own life and I ended up in a psych ward oh, I'm, um, so sorry. I'm so sorry to you it's such a difficult life, I'm so sorry to hear that yeah, it wasn't the best no, <laughs> what, no what you're describing to me sounds like a nightmare yeah, yeah it really was, but you know, I, I drank it, my way through it, you know and, and when you're, when you're I, talking I, about it now it, I, I'm assuming for you now talking about it, it sounds like you're talking about somebody else yeah, pretty much. Although I do hold these experiences with me every day. It's mm. stuff that I, I, I think about and it's stuff that I'll carry through with me to, like with the rest of my life. But, um, mm. you know, I think I can look back and kind of be honest about it and talk about it because I'm in such a different place today. And, and what, what role does kind of shame play in addiction? Because you talked about shame a few minutes ago. What, what role does, does shame play a role in it? I mean... Were you ashamed of yourself? And, you know, are, are, are alcoholics generally ashamed of themselves? Yeah, pretty much. For me personally, I was very ashamed. Like, there was a degree of being ashamed of the things I was doing, but also I was ashamed that I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. I couldn't mm. stop drinking and I couldn't stop the destructive behavior. And it was a cycle and and to kind of, you know, like an average day when things were really bad and I knew I had a drink problem and I knew I was out of control, I wasn't really actively trying to stop. But like an average day, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, right, I won't drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And then by midday, I'd be drunk. And then yeah. it's like, oh, God, I've done it again. Like, and then that is, that's really shameful. It's like, why can't I keep this one promise to oh, myself? Well, no, I, to I get that. Again? I mean, look, I'm a smoker, you know, and, and oh. I keep saying stupid things like, well, not stupid things, they're, they're actually very clever things, but I just don't follow them through. I keep saying <laughs> things like, why am I wasting 16 quid on a pack of cigarettes? You know, that's going to do me harm. <laughs> and I say that every single day, but I still do it. You know, so I, oh. I understand that obviously it's not as destructive as what you were doing, although it can be, I suppose, to people's health. 
but it's not as destructive, I suppose, in the in the short term as to what you're doing, you you're doing to yourself. But I, um, where was the point then where you got to where you genuinely did stop, or you felt, you know, this is it, I can't go any further with this, or I'm going to die because you mentioned you tried to take your life as well. So what hmm. what was the point where you actually did stop? Um, I moved back to the UK when COVID hit. Um, uh, I was living, I was still living in Canada at the time. And actually, I just lost my job because I downed a bottle of vodka on shift when I was working in a restaurant. Yeah, that'll um, do us. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to get away with it. But well, well, here's the thing. Like, I was like, oh, I'll just have one glass. I'll just have one vodka drink. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, obviously, I'm an alcoholic. Like, I can't control yeah. it. And what so, am I going to do with the rest of it? Sure, I might as well just drink it. But why not? Exactly. So I ended up drinking a bottle of vodka, and my boss came in, and the next day he called me into into work and he was like I think you have a drinking problem and I thought oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of looking at him and going you think <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I lost my job but then the pandemic hit and everyone else lost their job too because I was living in a tourist town and everyone worked in restaurants um, and then all the backpackers started going home um, and like, the, the town was clearing out and I thought oh okay I guess I'll just go home as well um, and, and then I moved back to the UK and I moved back into my mum's house. Um, what was, what was house. that like, that kind of surrendering moment where you're back with your mother or back at, you know, you're kind of back reliant and you're not as independent as you used to be? I mean, that was that was quite surrendering, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, I, I, th- I was just battered. Like, I, like life had, like, kicked my ass, like, completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when I go back to my my mum's house and also I've, I've had several mental breakdowns in my life and I've ended up back at my mum's house so it was kind of like oh here we go again <laughs> back yeah. here your mum was looking um, at you standing at the door going okay she's back yeah yeah <laughs> come on in um yeah sorry, put, on, put on in come on is she like an Irish mother come on in I put on the kettle we'll talk about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's all gonna be okay um, so we back into my childhood bedroom it was kind of like returning to the scene of the crime really yeah. where I did, like, all my drinking as a teenager. Um, and, yeah, moved back in there, and I moved back into my childhood bedroom, and I carried on drinking. Um, I drank for a, a couple more weeks, and then um, I had I had an epiphany. Like, it was... It, you mentioned surrender before. It was a, tr- yeah. a true moment of surrender. Like, I, I was in my childhood bedroom, and... Um, I was clearing up all the bottles from my like latest binge. Um, mm. I'd started like hiding all the bottles down the side of my bed, like I used to do, like when I was a kid. And once I cleared the room, I had I put the bin bag on the floor, and it was all all the glasses clinking. Yeah. I sat down at the end of my bed, and then I just had like a thought. But I just received a message. And it was like a little voice that just told me, like you don't have to do this anymore. Like you yep. can just let go. You don't have to live like this anymore. And then, like, it was, like, yeah, some weird moment where I kind of, like, I solved the puzzle. I was like, oh, my God, I have to stop drinking. Like, it's it's alcohol. Like, alcohol, like, yep. completely controls me and controls my life. I have to stop drinking it. Mm. Mm. So you just, and from that moment, you stopped? I did, yes. If I and was that e- was that easy? Because when I stopped smoking, it's not easy. 
You know, because when mm-hmm. I get those moments, like after breakfast, before I go to bed, you know, th- those kind of moments where I have the habitual cigarette, I if uh-huh. I gi- if I give them up, which I did for two years at one stage, by the way, if I get them up, I always go, oh, I miss it at this point. I miss it at this mm-hmm. point. Was there points when you missed the alcohol? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to begin with, I was like very irresponsible um, when I gave up alcohol. I was a very heavy drinker and you should never go cold turkey if you're a heavy drinker and you're quitting alcohol. Like you, you need to like have a supervised detox because um, mm. it can be, it can, like, you can have seizures and um, it can be fatal, but I didn't know any of that. Um, and, so you didn't, you know, go, you didn't I, get the cold sweats or the DTs as they call them? I, I massively did. Like I, okay. like I had a lot of physical side effects. I was in bed for like a week and like, like the room was spinning. I was like hallucinating. I couldn't focus on anything. I was having hot flushes and wets and it was like really, really horrible. And then my my brain just didn't work. Like for, for about the first like month, my brain didn't work. And I just lay in bed watching Netflix. Um, I think I, I, I did have the urge to drink, of course, but um, also I I think I was just so exhausted. Yeah. I was so exhausted. And then, I don't know, I had like, I don't, I, yeah, I did want to drink, but I, I think I was able to um, find the kind of like inner strength just to one yeah. day by day, just make the decision to stay sober one day at a time and, and not drink. I know lots of people use different methods of giving up drinking. I don't know what your take on, say, the likes of mm-hmm. AA is. Now, AA... There's a bit of controversy around the success of AA. Um, for some people, it works. For some people, it doesn't. Um, what what what's your take on AA? Well, I'm I'm a I'm a member of AA nowadays. Yeah. Um, I joined AA when I was two years sober. Um, mm. I did two years of sobriety by myself and recovery by myself. Um, we call it in AA, in AA. Call it white knuckling. Like when you do it alone yeah. without, white without support. Yeah. Yeah, you're literally hanging on for dear life, just like uh, like high high alert the entire time. Yeah, I suppose um, with AA, AA, it's like any other addiction. You're going to mm. get the failures because you really have to want to do it. There's nobody's. It does. It's not AA or it's not any other organization that stops you from drinking. It's yourself that stops you. you know, exactly. So, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I joined AA when I was two years sober. Um, I, by by the time I was two years sober, I basically had like a mental breakdown. Like I, I hadn't touched a drop of alcohol, but I was kind of my behaviour was we call it a dry drunk when you're acting like a drunk person, but you're not actually drinking. You're doing all the toxic behaviours that you know you don't have the excuse of alcohol. You know, I was I was falling out with friends and my family were angry at me. Almost lost my job, but you know, I was sober. It was very confusing. I was like, this stuff's not supposed to happen anymore, um, but it was. And then a friend of mine um, was like, "Oh, would you like to come to a meeting with me?" Um, and I, yeah, I realised that I I couldn't do it alone anymore. Um, and it was really important for me to have support and to talk to other alcoholics and okay. to kind of work a, mm. a work a program that would like tend to my emotional sobriety because I wasn't really I was just not drinking you know and I, I this is the thing with getting sober like it's not all about just 
No, no, and, and, and you, you talked about having a mental breakdown and, and for a lot mm. of people, they wouldn't really understand what that actually even meant. So maybe for our listeners who don't understand, because some people just have never had a mental breakdown, a lot of people may have, I don't know, that that moment when you had a mental breakdown, like how did that manifest itself? I mean, how did you feel when you had a mental breakdown? It was like the, like, you just ceased to function to me personally. Um, I find it like having that mental breakdown and I have had several in my life it's you be for me you just you just shut down really yeah you can't you can't do daily you can't go through your daily life because you know you're, you're so, it sounds like depression in the sense that you wake up and you don't even feel a purpose in getting out of bed and it's a, it does it sounds like a deep depression as well as being a mental breakdown then too yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like i I, I was finding like I, I couldn't keep on top of my life. Like I couldn't yeah. maintain my life. I couldn't go to work, and I couldn't do what I needed to do at work, and I couldn't communicate with anyone because um, I was kind of stuck in this like yeah. mental prison, basically. I mean, your social media has a lot of humor running through it. I mean, your videos are quite light-hearted in a way, and I'll direct people to it in a few minutes. But mm. is that intentional? Does th- does that make it easier to deal? you know, with the content, and, and because the content is quite dark when you think about it. So is it easier mm-hmm. to do it in a light-hearted way? Yeah, I think so. I think it's e- it's easier for me to process with a kind of bit of light-heartedness. Yeah. I think it's easier for other people to digest with a bit of light-heartedness. Yeah. Um, I, I have a very dark sense of humour. Like I've I've been through a lot and I've done some really like horrible things, but like I, mm. I make a joke of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I feel like there's. Did you commit crimes, it, by the way, when, when, in your past life? I'm not talking about your life now. To feed uh, your habit, I suppose, but particularly when you were on massive, the crack. Then. Yeah, not massively. Like nothing. Like a bit of shoplifting here and there. Uh, not even shoplifting. I think like like some bit bit drug dealing. Um, All right, okay. Not not prolif- pro- prolifically or anything. But, uh, okay, just to make enough to feed your feed your own habit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much just shifting. Yeah. Like bits here and there, but like nothing. Like I wasn't a career criminal or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but by the way, part of that humor, by the way, you, there was a funny story about how you met your current partner, which I think. You kind of had just shared on your page. Can you tell our listeners about that? How you met your current partner? I met my my partner at the gym. He was he was my coach. Um, I did his classes there. Um, mm. Yeah, and he, I, I'm now really into powerlifting and exercise. Um, it's yeah something that really helps me with my mental health and helps me with my anger. Like throwing metal around a gym, like really helps me release all my resentment. Um, so you, you've gone from being this person of having no confidence, probably not in great physical shape. Uh, I'm assuming mm-hmm. when you were an alcoholic and when you were taking drugs, to being this person who's oozing with confidence in social media and quite humorous by times, uh, and and also doing powerlifting and looking after your own physical health as well. So you've gone from one. Well, not an extreme. The pendulum has swung. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still really struggle with my self-esteem. Um, but, I, but I'm in therapy twice a week, and that helps. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. And I, I try and be healthy. 
I mean, what I mean, what what part would you say kind of helped you the most during your recovery? If you were to recommend to somebody out there who's listening, and maybe listening in silence, if you know what I mean, because a lot of people um, know they're alcoholics, but they don't want to admit it or they don't want to talk about it, and maybe they're listening tonight, going, "Yeah, that's me, that's me." I mean, what's the, what's the bit that helped you the most with your recovery that you would recommend to others? I would say like um, finding support. Um, I believe, I fully believe that we can't do anything in this life alone. Um, I always try to <laughs> yeah. because I'm just like, uh, I don't know, I'm a solitary being. It's just in my nature to be alone. <laughs> you sound, you but, sound like you might be quite stubborn, are you? Yeah, super stubborn, absolutely stubborn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, always, I, I always know better, like always. Um, well, that's because you're a woman. Women know best anyway, don't they? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But um, seeking support of others, whether whether that is AA or just the people around you um, mm. or online communities or, yeah, just your loved ones, like seeking support. Like I, I couldn't have done anything by myself, really. Um, and then also kind of rediscovering who you are, you know, for me, that addiction and my alcoholism like took my identity away. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked or my beliefs or my values. I didn't like know what I enjoyed for doing for fun because, you know, all I'd done for fun for like 15 years is drink. Um, so kind of discovering who I was again, was something that really helped me and kind of developing hobbies and, um, having projects and and doing things that not only kind of like take your mind off um, drinking and other like destructive behaviours, but helps you kind of find out who you are. And do you have to avoid events where there's alcohol? Not now, no. I did when I was when I was in early recovery, but now yeah. I I go to pubs all the time. I go to parties. My boyfriend drinks. Um, yeah, like I. Oh, that's I, a bit unfair if he's drinking. You know, you think he'd come out in solidarity with you, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, he, he. Well, this is this is the thing with sobriety. Like, you have to be responsible for yourself, um, yeah. and you know, you can't expect anyone to live by your values of sobriety and your values of recovery. You mm. know, so like you know, I, being a sober person in a in a world that's like full of people who enjoy drinking and can, a yeah. lot of people can drink normally you know i can't Socially, expect yeah. people to change yeah i can't expect people to change for me um and i wouldn't want them to i wouldn't want them to like i want everyone to live their lives as they wish and it, um, is it but, is it hard and sorry i'm not trying to put temptation in your way or anything like that but <laughs> but, it, but is it hard if you're in a pub and you're with five, four or five mates your boyfriend or whatever and they're all having a good time and they're drinking because here but here's the thing i don't drink and I know sometimes what that can be like when you're at a social event and everybody else is kind of getting drunk and you're sitting there feeling like, you know, you're a party pooper. I mean, can that, <laughs> is that difficult for you more so than it would be for me? Because I I've, I've, I don't miss it because I've never done it. But I mean, mm. is that difficult for you? Not anymore. Not anymore. It was like my first year, of, maybe my first couple of years, actually. Yeah. It was a little bit difficult. But now, yeah. I've, I've been, now I've been sober for like, three and a half years I'm a lot more stable now and like if people are drinking around me like to me I have no desire to drink I don't good yeah I don't like for me like, I know what the outcome would be if I took a drink like yeah, I would you'd be back, you'd be would, back to square one 
yeah. Exactly. So for me, it's like if someone offered me poison, like, hey, would you like this thing that's going to absolutely destroy your life and make all your friends and family hate you and you're going to lose your job and end up in the gutter? I'm like, no, I do not want that thing. I do not give me that thing. Um, so I just have no desire. Like, it's, there's no urge there. Yeah, I mean, isn't it funny that we do things to ourselves, you know, that would destroy, happily, we destroy our own lives. And yet we know what we're doing when we're doing it, but we still bloody do it anyway. And, I, and that's why I refer back to me smoking, by the way. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, can I point out to all my listeners, we did have a fellow on last week who talks about, he does seminars and not smoking, and he's taking me on as a personal client on the 14th of, of this month. Isn't it this 14th of this month? So for all those listeners who've been texting about giving up smoking, I will be giving them up on the 14th of this <laughs> month. He told me, by the way, he at least he told me I can keep smoking until then anyway. So that's a good thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have 20, 20 a day until yeah. then. <laughs> do you smoke? Do you smoke, by the way? Not anymore. I, I, I did, but that all went out the window when I got sober. Okay. Like, so, so addiction is a kind of thing was a thing for you. Yet you kind of got addicted to things. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah like obviously the, the things that are physically addictive. Yes. Yeah. And then also, I was addicted to just. Anything that would give me a moment of gratification or would help me distract myself from the way I was feeling, like anything, like yeah. drugs, alcohol, like even smoking, food, sex, like anything that yeah. would kind of take me out of my body. I was addicted yeah. to that. Like I just, that's just what I wanted. Yeah. Well, at the time, I suppose you thought it was a different feeling to the feeling that you would have now about it or the way you would think about it now. But look, I'm delighted by the way that you got your life together. And I know some people might already follow you, by the way. If people don't follow you, they can follow you on Instagram. And it's Abby.Feltham. And that's spelled F-E-L-T-H-A-M. And it's A-B-I, Abby. So it's Abby.Feltham is your Instagram handle if people want to follow your story. And I think it's good for people to follow a story like yours, particularly those people who might be suffering in silence right now. So your your recommendation and your advice to them is speak to somebody. But I, I would throw a little caveat in there as well is don't burn people. And, and I know people who are alcoholics or drug addicts and you'd say to them, well, look, you know, talk to somebody, reach out, get support from somebody. And then they get support from a, maybe a friend or a colleague or a family member and then they'll burn them. They'll steal from them or mm-hmm. they'll destroy their lives as well or upset them. So don't burn the people who are trying to help you. That's, I suppose, the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think people do burn people. Listen, Abby, it's been really nice talking to you. Yeah, and you too. And and I, I hope you continue your success. Uh, I hope your Instagram and your social media brings you a lot of success too because I know a lot of people are looking at what you're doing and they're following you. So um, And you're a bit of a role model to those people. So continued success with what you're doing. And uh, thank you very much, Nate, for joining us. Thank you. It was really nice to talk to you. Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.